live, honey. Uh, okay, welcome back to another episode of Stories from Mountain Town. Today, I have my girlfriend Taylor Weiss joining me. Back Hi, Taylor. for round three. For round three. And I decided I wanted to have her on because this is episode number 50. Woo! We got to get that, we got to get that horn, that, <laughs> that what, is, what is that called? Hype horn, something like that. Yeah, episode number 50. Um, so that would be an almost, not quite one a week, but I had a good stretch where I was doing one a week or maybe even a couple of weeks. Was it one week. year ago that you started it? Um, I think it was like November, oh. late November or early December is when I, Exciting. the one year anniversary of it, but not bad for yeah. having a full-time job and also doing a podcast. Not, not <laughs> um, at all. But yeah, today, uh, I wanted to have Taylor on, uh, to, because we, recently got our avi one certification um and i wanted to have her on to talk through that because you always hear from my perspective on um the mountains and the backcountry and the safety and you've heard me talk about that but i'd like to have her talk about her experience going through the class um and taylor was gifted a well we don't know if it's delicious yet but i was gonna say delicious chardonnay we've heard it's delicious we've heard it's delicious a rombauer vineyard chardonnay from um do you want to give a shout out to the people that tipped tipped you this i cannot but oh you hippa you cannot I was hippa i don't even know either so given a very nice tip of a bottle of wine the other day so we figured we'd bust into that tonight bust into it okay Can I pour yeah okay yeah, so Taylor, as you've heard of here before, she does um, hydration IVs for a company called House Call Hydration. So she will come to your hotel or condo or house and you can get a, an IV with... Shamelessly plug House Call house every call opportunity yeah. I can. Um, with... Hold on. Cheers. cheers. Episode 50. So you can get just regular hydration. You can get vitamins. You can get different fun medicine COVID in there cocktails what'd you say covid cocktails COVID cocktails in there yeah whether you're hungover quarantine. or altitude sickness or you just want to get like the most out of um your time here uh look up house call hydration on google or facebook and Lindsay, look at that we're already marketing for house call hydration <laughs> okay so what do you think of the wine so far it's good it's different than it tastes a little different than my usual kendall jackson try, try to do a fancy a fancy tasting smell it Smells like Chardonnay. <laughs> I'm getting like a Chardonnay note here. I'm getting a white wine note <laughs> out of this. Oh, we should talk about these glasses. We're drinking out of some super cool, mm -hmm. like etched um, wine glasses that have yeah, the Tetons on them. Yeah, they're like they're stemless wine glasses with the grand and the middle and whatever is to the I think Tiwanot is to the right. And then kind of like some pine tree looking things in the front. They're beautiful. Got yeah. them off of Etsy. Search Teton wine glass yeah. on Etsy if you Perfect. want some sweet oh, wine glasses. Chef, chef and sommelier. Look at the bottom. Where does it say that? On the bottom. Oh, cool. But it it's funny. You can. It's meant to be read from the top of the glass, not at the bottom of the glass, like through it. Um, yeah. So what are you getting in? How, what does this it taste like? It feels more intense to me than... I don't have any... Like, I can't call it oaky or buttery because I don't even know the difference. But it just tastes a little different than my usual Chardonnay. But I like it. Yeah, it's not as buttery as like a Kendall Jackson uh -huh. or or as oaky as a um, 
Chateau Saint Michel. The wine connoisseurs would want to murder me right now. <laughs> no, yeah, but I bet Heather would know this one and be like, "Oh, I know what that tastes like." <laughs> um, I'm getting a little bit, a little bit of citrusy, little yeah. juicy notes. Um, not really, not very tart though. That's a common flavor. Maybe some pear. Yeah. Maybe some pear in there. Okay, let's let's see. It usually will tell us what's in the back or what it is in the back. What? I want to read. No, I want to read. Okay. Um, rich flavors, creamy textures, mouth-watering, acidity. That's weird. It doesn't say nothing. You got to come up with it on your own. Yeah, They're usually not it, it'll what say like what the notes like. are in there. Heck no. Not giving this is really it's, away. what it is. It's like super well balanced on all the flavors of a Chardonnay, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a good like mid range if you're not really into one like extreme version of Chardonnay. It's I would good. say I like it. Rated rated out of out sorry, of one out to of Kendall Jackson. Ten. One to Kendall Jackson. It's a. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unfair. <laughs> it's a seven. Yeah. A seven. That's a strong rating. I like it. That's a strong rating. Let's see. One sip, everyone knows the rules. Freaking, uh, guess what? I said, I said, um, on the live stream for Stillworks, this is kind of just a super side tangent. On this live stream for Stillworks, I we were sipping something, and I was like, one sip, everyone knows I the rules. It. And then somebody like commented on like, you, you should make a T-shirt out of that. And I was like, that's yeah. I didn't make that yeah, up. I, I just changed that. it for booze. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. I'll swish it around. What we're supposed to do now? Should we get right up should into the mic? A- should you some wine ASMR? No. <laughs> on the swish, I don't like it as much. I don't like I anything six. on the swish. <laughs> Try it without the swish. <laughs> I think a six. Well, I think the swish is your, it's a, it's supposed to open up the flavors a little bit or something like that. <laughs> I, heard, I heard that in the headset. <laughs> Everyone's tuning off of the podcast Everyone, after this. Yeah. We're sorry. We're done. We're gonna see. So we're my done. my app shows me like how lo- the duration the average duration people listened to po- each it's episode be what? What are we at? Four minutes? six six minutes and 19 everyone seconds turned off everyone's at coming 619. off yeah okay moving on okay oh should we talk about what we did don't tap i that. know i always do that i like to tap the mic uh about what we did last weekend for our winter vacation uh we can or go to that after turpin that? or no, i mean after everyone oh, I, got, I brought everyone? you here okay from the living room i well, don't want to talk about everyone so everyone for those who don't know it's um what's the what's that acronym that organization that puts it on airy airy yeah a-i-r-e it's like avalanche something 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 it's an it's a it's a group that certifies and teaches people about avalanche safety and they will like they create um what do they what do you call it what do you mean courses? Yeah, they create the courses and then they like give them to local guide companies and the local guide companies basically learn how to teach them and then they teach them to, you know, uh, in anybody who wants to, to get certified. And A-I-A-R-E. And yeah. I still don't know what that stands for. But American Institute of Avalanche, Re- Avalanche Research, Research. Education. And education, yeah. There it is. Yeah. So they're all about um, backcountry safety, backcountry knowledge, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, and basically whenever you, whenever you start your journey getting into the back country, everybody always asks you, do you have everyone yet? Do you have everyone? How many times do you get asked that? 25. Yeah. Anytime anybody says, 
anybody or you tell anybody I'm going to go out in the back country, they're like, do you have everyone? You know, everyone wants to know that because it's, it's like kind a, of like a, it's like getting your high school degree. Like, yeah. You just like, it's something you just need to do if you're going to be in the back country. You're, you're kind of, I feel like looked down on a little if you do go backcountry skiing and you don't have one people are like mm-hmm. eh, you should really have which you should totally you should yeah, yeah. but i don't like that that whole notion no like, the, the most experienced and knowledgeable guy in our group didn't have one yeah but I, we're just saying that's kind of the, the vibes we've, yeah. we've felt previously so you shouldn't do that but i mean yeah, it's you shouldn't like it's treat like treat people like they're yeah yeah there's but. like this kind of belief that like if you don't have it you're like don't know like and you don't there's no other learning source even though there is but anyways so we get signed up with yours in December and um, just t- start us off with like that first day. Cause the first day was like pretty much like eight hours of like cl- zoom classroom work. Okay, So I was very nervous for everyone because I, I knew ahead of time it would be like all dudes and mm-hmm. everyone who is much more skilled at skiing and anything about avalanche education. So I went into it just kind of like ugh, very intimidated, but um, the first day, because of COVID, I think usually they do like an actual in-classroom training for it. Yeah, they do. Um, but because of COVID, they did a like eight-hour Zoom call with everybody, and then we'd break up into smaller groups. Um, we kind of went through some PowerPoints that were on that they had sent to us, um, and we. <laughs> I can't. I can't speak and take a picture at the same time. <laughs> I just um, took a selfie for my story. Check it out. So we just ran through those powerpoints um and talked with a lot of instructors the first day and that was so intimidating to me because i was like wow i really truly know nothing i just follow the other people and agree with what they say and i actually have zero knowledge of avalanche education um so the first day was very overwhelming i was very confused by the snowpack and and just all the things that I had never done before. Usually I'm just like, let's hike up and ski down, which is so stupid. You should have a basis of education, um, which we have now. So it was great. Uh, and then the second day we... Hold on. From the, what was the, what was like the number one thing that stuck out? Like something you didn't realize, didn't you didn't know before or something that really surprised you from day one? I think how... I don't remember if this was day one or two but i think it was like how much trip planning goes into a lot of the tours Mm -hmm. like how you there's all these different tools you can use like different apps and maps and websites to look at the slopes you're going to be on um and determine the safest route up and down Mm -hmm. whereas like i'd been used to like oh let's go do edelweiss or let's go do glory and it's just these well-known routes that Mm -hmm. people do i didn't realize people put that much into planning their tours yeah i had no idea yeah that was certainly like uh, like i i don't think i've used those skills on one route we've done this year outside of our course Mm -hmm. um but for the most of the routes that we usually do you don't really need to do that because it's you know no but it was hundreds of people knowing like for if we were to go to another like togedy which we hadn't done before yeah um it's really good for that type of yeah, I, I did that whole... Tri- That's another one that I forgot about that. Um, I did a whole tour plan, like, pr- research process to figure out the two oceans route, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, th- but that was definitely giving us the tools to kind of just, like, tour wherever we wanted as long as it's safe, you know? Yeah. 
and be able to understand how do we figure out where to go? How do we read maps to determine? Yeah, reading maps, that's a maps and apps. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd used, I've used Cal, CalTopo before. Um, what's the other one that you use? Gaia. Is the Gaia, one that I use. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of briefly looked at both of those, but never like as in-depth and under, understanding the different layers that they put like on there. Slope shading. And yeah, all they can, they, they have this feature on, on both of them where they call it slope angle shading so they put like the the software where we'll put a topo map on it and then it'll put like different color shading for how steep that spot is because you can't fully tell from like a you know 2d version but it'll show like you know bright red or whatever it is is like the steepest so it's like okay it's probably a cliff or like avoid it and then we know now that something like 70 percent of all avalanches happen between the slope angles of 36 and 45 or 30 I thought it was 30 to, 30 to 30 38 to, or 30 to 40. I can't remember, but somewhere in the range where everybody likes to ski. Yeah, it's generally like 30 to 40 where it where below that it's not steep enough generally to slide, but it still can. So you have to think about that. And then above that it's too steep for snow to stick on it in in general. Mm-hmm. So there's this there's the the danger zone of slope angle and you want to make sure you don't have that sort of slope angle you know above you directly below you walking on it if it's going to be sketchy there's just so much to think about what and i don't mm-hmm. think we really thought about all of the, the aspects until we took abby one which is like scary that we were out there doing those things and the, granted we weren't doing anything crazy but still it yeah it, it was feels, also i mean this is about this is about your perspective, but I'll I will share mine. Um, all of the all of the stuff that he taught us was like stuff that I've at least heard of or like watched videos on or read books about, but I just didn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like you know I kind of I had bought the hammer, but I had no clue how to use the hammer, sort of a thing. Yeah. So that was the difference for me. It was like. This was, I understood like slope angle. I understood that statistic about the slope angles and I understood like, like yeah. you, I, like I said, I've used the maps before. I kind of know how to make a route in the maps, but um, never in this sense and never this in depth. So yeah. it's definitely putting all re- the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So can I go on to day two? Yeah. And then day two. So then day two, we were out in the field. Uh, we, I forget where we went. Where did we go? granite canyon trailhead we went to the granite canyon trailhead wasn't much skiing we did a lot more education walking around on our skis Yeah, it was on the flats um in the flats and it was very cold that day Mm -hmm. yeah it was like i was struggling when we got there it was like negative five yeah and then when we got out later in the day colin and shout out to our instructor colin what's his last name i can't remember Juan. juan yeah colin juan trying to get him on the show colin if you're hearing this come on the show <laughs> um yeah con was great he took us out and he, he uh he had a thermometer with him maybe he said it wasn't really calibrated or something i think it was 10 but he said it was like negative 15 oh. at that point maybe not yeah yeah it was cold that day so we started off and we just walked out a little bit and then we did something that i thought was really cool um colin demonstrated he he didn't really tell us what he was gonna do but he um yelled avalanche and then he had hit a uh beacon in a backpack mm-hmm. so and then he had us time him and he had started on one end and 
uh, walked over to the other end and used his beacon to find the other beacon in the backpack to kind of demonstrate like how long it would take. And this is like when there wasn't even an avalanche to find mm-hmm. someone yeah, buried. In, yeah, in the flats. In like, the flats. Like a very simple find. And, and the yeah, the backpack was like six inches below the snow. Yeah. So then he did that and then we each took a turn doing it. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, I have a beacon shovel probe and I have never used any of them before. And then we did that and I was like, wow, that's a whole different ball game when you're um, learning how to, like when you're simulating a avalanche and trying to find a buried beacon. Yeah. Even that, I mean, it wasn't intense, but it kind of was to me because I had never done it before. Um, and hopefully most people haven't either, but it's it was cool to learn that that's something that you should practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the first thing we did. And then we went more into like snowpack and looking at the layers of the snow, digging some pits. Can we go back to the drill? Yeah. Um, something that's really stuck out to me and I said it when we were out there, but remember like the paths that we all took mm-hmm. once our beacons hooked on. So, so beacons when they're in the send mode, you know, they're, you're not in search mode. You're transmitting. It sends out these waves of radio frequencies or whatever, I think. Right. And it comes out in the shape, like if like you think about the, the top of an apple, that's what they say. That's oh. what Colin said. Um, and when I was doing my search, you know, you kind of zigzag until you find it. And then, and then your beacon will point you in the direction that the signal's coming from. And he just says like, when in doubt, follow that arrow, like no matter what, even though you may know or think you know where it is, just follow the signal and it'll bring you right in. Yeah, we all knew where it was because and we he didn't move it. So, yeah, but it was but it very was, interesting to see everybody's everybody's beacons taking them a little bit different direction. And then at the at this certain spot, everybody would curve in towards the direction where they're supposed to go. Yeah, and if you like, I remember looking at the footprints and it was like yeah. the perfect top of the apple shape, like coming yeah. in from both sides from people doing it. I was like, wow, it was super. It's cool. so specifically like what they say. Mm-hmm. And that and that that blew me away because I've seen again I've seen like those diagrams where it's like yeah the frequent the radio frequencies come out at this shape but it's like wow they, it's exactly that yeah but I wish I wish we should do more of those like we should go to the beacon we parks and do, the do more practice like, yeah. practice like that definitely yeah. and even like maybe next year take that um, refresher course it's well it's just like an emergency it's more it's more drills like that oh, yeah. than it is like yeah. education so yeah so the way they have it set out. There's Avalanche 1 was what we did. And then there's Avalanche 2. And then I think it's like a 3 or there's like a pro level thing. But then kind of kind of like an in-between 1 and 2 step. It's called, what is it called? I can't remember. It's like Searching. emergency, like backcountry emergency, something like that, where it's more about like the emergency drilling, doing that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that'd be good for us to take next year because that was, that's something I'd like to just get more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything else from the drilly? No, it was really, it was super cool to watch yeah. though. Yeah. And do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and on to the next segment. The rest of the day one, or I mean day two. Yeah. Like what oh. we, what we okay. go do next? So you you talked about the snow. We, yeah. Level. We analyzed the snowpack, dug some pits. Um, there wasn't a ton of snow yet. So we didn't have like a ton of different layers of snow to look at. Um, but it was cool because the whole time we were walking around, he was constantly saying like, oh, is is this something you guys would ski? Is it like just questioning? Is this avalanche terrain? Yeah. Asking us like 
trying to get us to recognize avalanche terrain because mm-hmm. there's so much more to it than you would originally think there is if you don't have much background yeah. in it. What what stood out for me on that uh, digging the pit was um, that what we I just I looked at my certificate today we we took that in like December fourteenth or something. And there was a stretch of time from like the tenth, probably tenth for that for that week, where it was just super cold, big inversions, um, and not a lot of snow came. Mm-hmm. And so this thing called surface whore started showing up. What are you doing? Put your phone away. I was trying to exit. You're on. You're in the middle <laughs> of a podcast, and you need to put I your mean, phone. Away. I was looking at the Abby thing. Okay. Carry on. Um, and this thing called surface horse shows up, which is basically like the frozen equivalent of like dew, where if it's when it's cold, the kind of the, the, the snow or something like pulls moisture out of the air and kind of, it kind of freezes into these little finger like structures. Um, but we could see that layer and that layer is now causing our problems we're having now. And so it's really easy for me to like see stuff when we dug the pit. We dug a pit um, in early January and could super easily see like, hey, here's that layer we saw that was on the top when we took our class. Here's why it's caused, and we know why it's causing the issue because we've been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that's been really helpful for me as I've been continuing to get out in the backcountry. And what, so what was the, what was the biggest thing that stuck out to you that you didn't know from the snow pit? I didn't know snow anything about the snow pits. I literally knew nothing. Um, so, so the whole thing was wild for me. Yeah, in one sentence, tell the listeners what kind of snow layering causes avalanches. Heavy snow on top of weak snow. Yeah, you did yeah. it. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, so depending on like the temperature range and the moisture level, snow will have different grain like sizes basically, you know. Mm-hmm. And some of it's stronger and some of it's weaker and some of it doesn't bond together. And so when you have like really weak, like the the example somebody said was like in like late spring snow, which is rotten, like it just breaks away when you, it just breaks into like shards. Mm-hmm. That's like really bad snow. That's really dangerous. If that gets under a heavier layer, it's like, that's how avalanches happen. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's really simple when you think about it. Like mm-hmm. you don't even have to know, like you don't necessarily need to n- be like a snow science expert. It's just like if there's good to- snow on top of shit snow, it's probably going to slide. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you put that example on a slope. Yeah. Right. And then you have triggers like a skier, like a skier, snowmobile or snowboarder, um, a cornice breaking, mm-hmm. wind loading something. Um, what else would be a trigger? I think you said a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and then that, and like just heavy gravity, heavy yeah. gravity makes that happen. The thing that stood out from, is actually from day one was that video they showed where they were teaching kids about avalanches and they put like rice krispies mm-hmm. under like something heavier. What was it? it was I like, can't remember what it was, but it basically looked like a, it was like a cake pan kind of era yeah pan and they put a bunch of layers and then they kind of elevated a little a little bit to show yeah they like what would slide yeah they like they put it at a certain angle and then what and then what was astounding was once they got it up to like that range that 30 to 40 range or whatever Mm -hmm. is exactly when it slid Mm -hmm. you know 
So it's like, holy shit, this happens. This is just physics happening. That happened on a small level, and then it's just happening on a much larger scale uh-huh. in the mountains. For sure. Um, yeah. And, okay, um, what do we do next? I think then we, we had some, like, at-home homework before the next day. So the next the third day mm-hmm. was the last day, and that was when we were going to be getting some skiing. And so they had us do a tour plan. Excuse me. Um, and we... He told us the general route, sent us a picture of it, and then he wanted us to make like a plan B and plan C type thing for if plan A didn't work. Because that's a huge thing about going in the backcountry is you can't just go off of what your original plan is. You need to be Mm -hmm. very aware of all the factors that you need to consider that are also changing while you're up there. Mm -hmm. So you need to have plan B, C, D, like multiple different plans if your original one becomes unsafe so mm-hmm. we planned that out um that evening and then before the next morning we were supposed to look at the um avi forecast uh and add like factor that in and then we all met out in the park and we skied up 25 short yeah it was sweet we have yeah. never like like just skipping the whole avalanche topic for one second tyler and i don't get to ski in the park much because we like to take the dogs with us and we do mm-hmm. some more low angle stuff with the dogs so and we thought it was super cool to be out um touring in the park that day yeah, it for was, like, it was like six seven hours yeah we it was really yeah. snowy that day so i wish it would have been a clear day just because like where Couldn't we were really has some incredible yeah. views like there's mm-hmm. some big shit right it was like right behind 25 mm-hmm. short that we could have seen uh yeah something that I, that i want to touch on with the uh the multiple the plan a b and c thing mm-hmm. that's something that i've definitely done a good done a good job of um putting into my my process when i go out like i texted you the other day or told you the other day like okay plan a is this but if i can't get a parking spot i'm gonna go plan b here i'm gonna do this route and if like that and if that doesn't work like i'll try this other area so it's like another thing to mention too is like it's so important to tell somebody where you're going especially if you're going to be by yourself like always tell someone even if you're in a group but tell them where you're going when to expect you back um because so many i don't know that like people could you could be saved but Certainly, even if it wasn't an avalanche and you got lost out there or something, someone would come looking for you sooner if they mm-hmm. knew yeah. when to expect you back. Cause yeah. It probably means you had some issues out there. So, yeah, when I was doing Glory, you were sleeping and I texted you and told you that, but I was texting Al and I said, I'm doing Mount Glory. If I don't tell you I'm out by four, call Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told him, I'm, it's not going to take me that long. It was like noon when I started. Yeah. So I was out far before that, but I was just like, hey, this is like, you're yeah. my backup right now. Yeah. And he's, he's in Minnesota. So at least he could start, he could trigger some chain of events to f- get me found if I really, if, yeah. some, if I was lost. Um, but yeah. But back to 25 short. 25 so short. we, Colin kind of had each of us take turns leading mm-hmm. um, and then just making decisions on is this the right route? Are we following the right direction using tools like our compasses? On our phones, um, the little inclinometer, inclinometer, inclinometer yeah, to check the um, angle of the slopes we're on. So it was really cool seeing all those pieces be put together. Mm -hmm. 
And this is all stuff that we had talked about like day one and two. And now it's like, okay, we're actually doing a tour. We're actually going to use these tools. We've now learned about how to use them. what do you think of leading? I was nervous. Why? I don't, just, it goes back to like, we had a, a really good, super awesome crew. That was all very, um, supportive of, I was the only girl and I had frozen my toes off the day before. So I kind of felt like a little, a little wimp, but um, they were all super awesome about just like encouraging each other and helping you along if you weren't sure mm-hmm. which which way we were supposed to go. Um, but not just the like deciding what route you're going to go up, like leading when you, there's that much fresh snow, like being the first one to lay the skin track down. I was dying. <laughs> My legs are struggling. Now you know how I feel because yeah. I always lead when we go. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I'm going to make you lead now some, from like more often if we're if we're breaking trail (laughs) it's tough yeah uh no but that was cool and yeah because there's like there's like the macro route planning of like okay we're gonna start here we're gonna end up out there and then it feels but then there's like the micro there's the micro because like it's so big yeah so you're like every little notch and like little crevice you kind of have to figure out the safe and quick way and easy way to navigate it for sure yeah that's why i'm really glad like when i do edelweiss the there's so many skin tracks set there every single day mm-hmm. that it's just like a breeze. But that's the other thing. Don't just follow the skin. Tra- I mean, we can add Edelweiss because we know it. Like, yeah. We know where to go. But like yeah. the other thing is like if you see a skin track, it doesn't necessarily mean it's safe or anything like that, which is pretty common sense. But I think a lot more people rely, a lot of people rely on that like, oh, someone's done it before or we see saw them going up it. So it should be fine. And they were yeah. just kind of trying to drill that out of our head. Like that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. What mm-hmm. was it called? Human. They were t- telling us the different, like, oh, I forget the words. Like you're convincing yourself that it's fine because you've seen other people do it. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's okay. I've seen all the, all the, uh, Avi, um, organizations that have posted about avalanches recently. They've, they've been putting in there like the, the, th- it was the third out of 10 or like 10th out of 10 riders to go down it and that group or whatever. And so like just, just hammering that home, that idea that like, just because somebody wrote it before you, maybe even right before you does not mean it's safe. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah. So 25 short, that was your biggest climb. It was, I think near mine, the pyramid is about the same height, but I think the pyramid is a little bit gnarlier. Yeah, twenty five short was. I was pooped at the end though. Was that was a big day. I mean, those six hours of yeah. riding because it was like, it's not just go up and go down, which maybe would be you know three hours or four hours, probably four hours, but it's like stop and teach. Like we did, we dug a pit. We like had lunch on the way up. We veered totally off to the side to go see that Uller slide path, mm-hmm. which was insane. That fucking blew me away. So, so hard. Like, yeah, it's so it's a it's an enormous slide path. It's just south of the peak of 25 short, I think. And it's like basically like the size of a skyscraper mm-hmm. that just got like uh, Colin was telling us that this slide happened. It basically came off of like oh, nearly 10,000 feet and slid all the way down to the valley floor. And you just see this like huge like funnel of like, you know, now there's normal snow levels in it, but like lack of trees, like small trees, dead trees, bent over trees, um, 
and there's like little rolls in the in the landscape and he was saying that it like acts like water and it like rushes up the sides it like looks like a flood went through Mm -hmm. like much higher than than you would think the snow would be in and it was just like it was crazy damn nature you scary huge yeah it was so big yeah that was pretty nuts and another thing that another little tidbit that he had said that I I appreciated him saying was a lot of stuff that a a lot of lines that people want to ski like picture the resort and what you like to ski at the resort and that's not what you should ski in the backcountry. Yeah, slide paths look a lot like ski runs runs, when you're in the backcountry, but you should not ski on them Mm -hmm. because they're they're slide paths either because they slide often Mm -hmm. or they've it has slid like very dramatically or something like that yeah. right mm-hmm. that's why there's like not trees in that area or like dirt has been ripped away so it's like forming a little bit of a funnel mm-hmm. you know or it's or it's naturally a funnel and then that causes more slides to happen on its own for sure so okay. yeah and then we did the fun part and then we skied down yeah and, and we skied really down and that was snow. probably your deepest day too it was so fun that was like such deep snow it's such a good group to go with. Like there was two split borders, me, me and um, what was his name? I can't remember. I can't either. Sorry, man. Um, message me on face on Instagram if you can if you hear this. <laughs> um, no, we had a great crew. Everybody was like so patient with each other, mm-hmm. and so it was amazing to see a group of strangers like work so well together. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, we basically like had one day, one afternoon of classes together. Mm-hmm. and then two days out touring and we were like got to know each other we were all chatting with each other like separately while we were going up and then we were all like picking similar lines saying, like oh this this little thing would be cool over here yeah. and that was the other thing we did was like just how we took turns uh laying down the skin track we also took turns being the first person to go down um so like when you ski the resort you it's fun because you all kind of ski next with each other and it's very different from backcountry skiing where you want to this is probably so so dumb sounding to anybody who (laughs) skis like a lot of people who listen to this podcast but for the people who don't you don't want to all just bomb it down a hill when you're backcountry skiing you go one at a time and and why why do we not want to do that because it's dangerous why what could happen a slide yeah but like what could why is it a bad thing in that situation because then you're all dead this is, edu- is an educational podcast. What are you Talk trying it through. to tell me? Right so now. if we're all, if like three of us are on a on a on a slope at the same it's time, way more, we're way more likely of, to trigger a slide. When? Why? Because there's more weight. Yes. I didn't know you wanted me to get like that. Yeah, this is an educational down to podcast. Nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's more weight. There's more like a, like triggering actions going on. And then if like say like the top person could trigger something, and then the bottom two are immediately Got caught. It. Even though they didn't, they didn't so yeah. if you go one at a time on certain slopes, you can see spots and get to rollers and things and eye things up. That's the way to do it. So we'd each take turns skiing down and then the ne- a new person would lead down and mm-hmm. it was so great. And then we got to the bottom and with uh, most of the routes in T- Grand Teton National Park, they're flat at the, at the beginning and the end um, between the parking lot and like where the mountains start. So me, so the split boarders had to split ski, um, to get out. And so, which is off, it's like not very fun because our split board splits into skis, 
but they're not really a ski shape. They're like, you know, just half of they're a snowboard. Shorter, it seems they're like. shorter. Yeah. Their edges, both, the, we don't have like two really good edges when so we want edges. You guys are having to work good. like way harder than everybody else to get out, basically. Yeah, and our heels aren't locked in. You can get an attachment so you can lock your heels down, mm-hmm. but I, neither of us had that. So that was an adventure in itself, just like doing that in the flat, kind of like goat track. And then the thing. other splitboarders pole broke, and that was a really good reminder, though, to like, you can have all the perfect working equipment and something might bust when you're like eight, 9,000 feet up and still have to go back down or whatever, break a binding or a pole or mm-hmm. anything. So that it's just like all these things we did was just like gave you more and more to think about and how can I be prepared? And so it's, it's like completely changed. I think how Tyler and I are, Maybe not Tyler because he did a lot of this stuff previously, but I didn't know Definitely what the Tyler too. heck I was doing. Um, like just to have extra safety things on hand, like first aid kit or like a little repair kit for for your skis or split board um, straps in case something breaks. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a good reminder. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with that, tell everyone about what we got each other in our stockings. Oh, so our Abbey course was probably like a week before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas. It was the 16th. Okay, so a week before Christmas. So Tyler and I got each got each other basically the same stocking stuffers without knowing it. We got each other a bunch of um, like little backcountry things to put in our packs. Like um, Tyler got me some, I think you got me some thinner socks. I got you some more, yeah, some, some better socks. straps. Got you some well, ski straps, yeah. some volet straps, some um, a bunch of snacks, backcountry mm-hmm. snacks. Um, you got me. We both got each other first aid kits. Yep. <laughs> to put in our pack. Classic. And then you got me the inclinometer. I inclinometer yeah. and uh, a bivy sack. Yeah. Emergency bivy sack. So now we feel a little better prepared. Yeah. And what I got myself when I was getting your stuff, um, at Hoback they have the exact brand of my split board bindings like an emergency like tool kit or not not tool kit but like part kit repair kit part yeah repart part kit i don't know spare parts yeah but it's like so it's like all the most commonly broken and lost spare parts so it's like all the straps buckles screws Mm -hmm. all the normal stuff that's most common to be lost when you're out there so you just i just have it in my pack now yeah it's super and like especially even if nothing goes wrong with you then you're available to help someone else if you see them with something broken mm-hmm. help get a little backcountry karma yeah yeah be a good so, steward yeah exactly so then we finished up our ski and we met down at the bottom kind of did a big big like chat about everything we learned and what how this course is going to change the way we like do anything in the backcountry mm-hmm. and then we went our separate ways yeah and now uh, on the whole as a whole um what are like the th- your three key takeaways you've kind of we've kind of already touched I on them like per I day see, but yeah. like what I, like uh, what are your main three things that you think about now that you didn't before i think i'm one of them is that i'm way 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 more aware of my surroundings normally like before i was just like oh this is pretty wow that's steep oh, that looks fun to ski down like like there I think about so much more now like I look and I see a group of smaller trees or um a gully or anything I'm just way more aware of the terrain and think constantly thinking about the whole time we're skinning up um and when you're skiing down 
and that that's something that changed a lot for me is just like the amount of thought that I put into it when we're out on a tour just like being very aware Mm -hmm. and not like zoning off or something just making sure that you're always in the safest position Mm -hmm. uh you definitely like last year when we did some tours and when you climbed glory like last year you were kind of just long for the ride Mm -hmm. because you hadn't done any you didn't hadn't learned anything yet like you were very very new to it so now like and i've pressured you on this like you're not just along for the ride you're you are equal certification to i do that i do i've read some more things and i've just been doing it more yeah so i have a touch of a leg up but like you're an i I tell you this every time we tour now you're 50 percent of this team so you can't just say like uh no whatever you say like you know yeah no you're not along for the ride anymore you're like you're like you're a driver yeah and we've we've come across like we've experienced that now where we've done some new tours and i feel like i don't know i'm just trying to get to saying like when i'm uncomfortable with something i yeah for some reason you have you your personality tells you to not voice it but i'm like pulling it out of you i'm like taylor you need like we need this it's only you and me and the dogs here like you're 50 percent of this you have half the decision making ability you have as much and i think because i just like normally think everybody knows so much more than i do about the subject so i just go off of what they say and i'm like well maybe you don't know what you're yeah but but like that was that was one of the things they taught us like just don't assume that that's how yeah they say a lot of my second oh yeah go ahead thing was just just I guess don't be like the silent person in the back that's just along for the ride. Like participate and say mm-hmm. what you're feeling. If you think something's unsafe, pro- somebody else in the group probably does too. Mm-hmm. So just like using your voice and th- that's something I struggle with in uh, multiple aspects of life. So that was nothing new for me, but just a reminder to. Yeah. Don't go into a group thinking like, Oh, these guys are so experienced. Like they know what they're doing. If, if, even if you are vastly out experienced, if you have some feeling about something, you need to raise it because mm-hmm. you're an equal part of that team. For sure. And then I, I think probably the final thing for me was just because somebody's done it before doesn't mean it's safe. Yeah. I didn't ever really think that, but I think it's a very good reminder. Just because you see that skin track and you don't know what's up above it, it like, don't go do it just mm-hmm. because somebody else did. Like, do your homework. Yeah. Plan your do tour. it because you independently decided yeah. it's safe for your risk tolerance so what about you what were your top three takeaways um things that stood out for me was the snow science stuff yeah that i really liked i really loved we we dug a pit when we just did a tour on our own um out here in the past and it was really good just to be like no supervision like remember like how do we have to know what's going on here now that we're we don't have a guide with us we don't have colin with us mm-hmm. so let's go through the whole process think as how as be as try to get as close to how he showed us as we can like how he measured it out how he dug it like the process he took the different things he tried to look for um and that when we did that i was like really proud of us for or even just trying being in there and understanding well we yeah. understood what was going on because yeah. we knew what levels were were going to have issues because of the the yeah. class like we we saw 
the early season version of that bad snow. And then now we, when we dug the second pit, now we saw, you know, that 25 more inches yeah. on top of that bad layer. And it was like, okay, if it fails, it's going to fail right here. And mm-hmm. we knew that. Mm-hmm. And I still know that because of being out there digging that pit. And I think just one thing to add to that, that was a big takeaway for a lot of people was, um, just because you dig a pit and it looks safe or you don't, you get the result that you want out of digging that pit doesn't mean you should go ski that line. Like it, that's just one. Yeah. Don't use a, a pit. Don't use a pit as a, to ski something. Yeah. But you can use a pit to, to not. not ski something. Yeah. Just because. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. So that was yeah, also to get, interesting. Again, like, yeah, you can't take one aspect of like, and get it using confirmation bias to say like, well, the I want to ski this thing, and the pit says I can, so I should. Yeah. You need to you need to take like There's so the whole many the holistic like all of the factors. You know, like what what could there be a persistent problem? Like what's the current wind? weather? What current weather? Yeah, current yeah. weather. Like you could wake up, but the report says something. But now, but then it's snowing three inches an hour, and it's like, well, this this changes things now, or yeah. the blue, the wind is just blowing, blowing. so hard. Like, yeah, like you need to like really factor in all those things and then factor in like how badly do I need to ride that line, that, mm-hmm. that, that thing today. You and that's to changed my behavior. To say, yeah. You have to like, it's hard sometimes cause it's like, well, we came all the way up here and I mean, you skinned up for hours or whatever, but it's not worth your life to do that one line that you were so excited to do if the conditions are, have changed and it's no longer safe to do it. Mm-hmm. Just pick a different line. Yeah, we haven't had that yet because we don't really we don't really take no really, we, we don't really go it. for aggressive no. shit, which I am totally good with. Yeah, I like to do glory more. I don't glory. We talked about it with Heather on here. Glory is always like that. Like just thinking about it, it's like oh man, that boot pack just sucks. But then like the top, like I got that the really fantastic surprise of like getting to the top, and it was just that cloud, the sea mm-hmm. cloud, or sea of clouds up there and i had no clue that was going to be like that i was just like doing it because i hadn't done it in a while i was like you know doubtful it was gonna be fun it was an inversion so my hands were freezing when i was getting stuff ready with the dogs what i said yeah (laughs) but then i got up there and it was like 25 degrees up there and it was like so beautiful i could no wind i could have stayed up there for hours yeah it's crazy um but i was going somewhere with glory oh glory is i'd like to do more yeah because there's just so many fun routes there's off of it. There's a lot of routes off of it. Yeah. Like we could we could go shuttle at shuttle Coal Creek, which you haven't done. I think you'd really like it. We could get a view of your mountain. Taylor, Taylor mountain. mountain. People are there's some tracks on Taylor Mountain. Is there? Yeah. Scares the shit out of me. But yeah, there's tracks I'm, there. I'm okay. We can just we can do something else. Yeah, we can do glory. Yeah. Glory is a lot safer as long as you so go the right way. Any more takeaways from Abby One? Should we wrap it up on Abby One? Um I guess um, I feel more of a responsibility now to the backcountry and to my fellow backcountry travelers now having this education and like knowing kind of knowing a touch of what's going on out there that I feel like I have more of a responsibility to like check other people like respectfully, but like yeah. be aware, like just be watching people, making sure they're doing the right things because I now know what, like what some of the right things are. Um, 
so that's something that I take that I take away, and I I feel now in a more position of of a, more experience than I did before. Yeah. And every day that I go out, like I I mean I've done probably like twenty days in the backcountry this year it's already. All practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all like yeah, getting those reps in, like, and not just and, and making it be those conscious reps. It's not just yeah. like, you know, head down, tunnel vision no, on the it's skin track. Head it's on like, a swivel looking it's around. Like, what's yeah, around like you. okay, what's yeah. going on? Like okay, these common routes that I do a lot. What can I find? What little bit of information about the area can I figure out on this on this you know eighth version of doing it mm-hmm. this year? For sure. You know, that's something that I've taken to be more more conscious, more aware of my surroundings. Um, yeah, and then to wrap up, everyone, if you don't have anything else, I think I'm so. So um, we are now out of this time. This this statistic, you know, the statistic that mm-hmm. I'm going to say. Something it's like. 80% some dramatic statistic like that 80% of avalanche fatalities are people who have taken everyone taken everyone within the last 30 days mm-hmm. so until today today is the 25th until the 16th of January we were in the highest highest risk category of all backcountry travelers because I don't I'm gonna butcher it but it was like what did he say it's because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You take all this experience, you take or you take this new knowledge and you push it a little bit farther than you, than it should be pushed, thinking you have the key to knowledge, and you I really think don't. I got the opposite effect. I just got scared shitless, and I'm like, yeah, you do I want you want to do less stuff. Stay on ten degree slopes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like we had an argument one day. You're like, no, we can't do it. It's thirty. I'm like, then what the fuck do we ride? Like, show me where we ride then. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's put the fear of God in me. So, <laughs> well, we're out of that risk group, so at least we're not the most. And that, and me being a split border, split borders are slightly more have a slightly higher chance of causing an avalanche or getting caught on an avalanche. So, I was in the highest risk group. And Alex brought this tidbit: when men travel backcountry travel with, with women, women, what with women they they have a higher like risk taking higher yeah they try to like they take more risks to impress try to the see ladies. impress the ladies so they so they, that has a higher risk for for uh, nobody needs to avalanche impress. accidents i'm already impressed yeah you don't even have to do anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah but we are out of that now um our moms if they're listening to this can um just, take just a breath a i do bit. i think i purposely didn't tell my mom that maybe i did no don't tell her don't tell Debbie. Definitely don't tell no, Debbie. We don't tell Debbie. Debbie doesn't even know. Debbie ski. doesn't even know we go in the back country. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Um, and then now should we move on to our recent trip? Yeah. Turpin Meadow Ranch. Turpin Meadow Ranch. We did a little uh, wind, our first like winter staycation that I think we're going to make a by yearly tradition out of and try to go just by year, yearly mean that's twice a year every Am two years or twice a year uh, oh what i was trying to say was <laughs> twice a year i don't know i don't know <laughs> once in the is. summer and once in the winter is what we'd like to do is just do a little uh little vacation at turpin metal ranch for a few nights yeah and tell them like where turpin metal ranch is so it's in moran and so that's like what an hour and fifth hour and 20 from here or something yeah north hour and a half. it's it's north. in buffalo yeah. valley or yeah. you turn off of the road in buffalo valley up at the base of togety pass and it takes you like this back road o- away from the highway like i was surprised by it how many like, houses like we passed 12 or 14 miles back but it felt like you were so far back there 
you were we were yeah we're almost like so if you look at a map today mm-hmm. so like the main highway like kind of goes north north mm-hmm. north northeast to get to the pat to togety pass and then it kind of goes straight east mm-hmm. so then togety lodge is like the north side of the road we were almost straight north of togety yeah. it was like just to the west a little bit of togety but behind it yeah so, so like we're back there which i loved because you were just by nobody and mm. and just on this beautiful land scenery and so relaxing so anyhow we went out on saturday and we drove up to togety and we uh skied two oceans which is just a route excuse me um excuse you a a little route we did uh because we couldn't check in until like four or something like that so we wanted to get the most out of our day so we went and got a ski in and then we checked in at turpin and we didn't really know anything about it. We were just like, oh, so bring the cross-country skis because it says there's cross-country skiing and we're staying in a little cabin, mm-hmm. which is perfect. Yeah. And, and the whole place is dog-friendly. That was like the biggest reason. The trails, yeah. the cabins, everyone there is, everyone, like the people are really dog-friendly. Like most of the people there had their dogs. So they're all like chill, like, like Maverick, they, like Maverick walked into a cabin, a different cabin <laughs> once because he met some girls there. And then like another dog like walked into ours, following ours. And we're like, everyone's oh, no, just so is... chill about it. Yeah. Like Which it's, is so it's, nice. a, it's a fancy place compared to like a hotel. But it's not snobby. When you're like, oh, sorry, my dog sniffed you. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Keep walking. Yeah. yeah and everyone's like dog. saying hi yeah. to the dogs. Everyone's greeting the dogs. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. We're crazy dog people. Yeah. So we loved that place. Um, And then the next Sunday we rented some snowmobiles. Yawning, sorry. Uh, rented some snowmobiles, which was my first time skiing or snowmobiling out here. I mean, we snowmobiled in Minnesota a lot, but it's way different out here, and the sleds are way different. And I was like trying to ride a horse or a bull. I don't know. I was like, I can't figure out. This is so different to me than riding like a, I don't know what I was riding, like a really old Polaris at home, like Maybe something that felt dragon. a lot more stable than what I was on. Well, so yeah, it took was, me a little bit to figure out how to how to ride it. I was definitely going like thirty miles an hour for a while, but mm-hmm. but it was so it was still super cool. Yeah, the cool the, the cool part about riding at Togety is it's just a it's just a trail system. <laughs> it's like it is not that late, but we're no, both we're yawning. Both yawning. <laughs> it's just a trail system. Uh, so a ton of Midwesterners like Wisconsin and minnesotans go there because they all the snowmobiles they know how to read a trail map and they can get from place to place and they can figure it out but then in between the trail sections there's these big vast meadows and you can climb mountains and you can go to these little like you know lakes and things in the in the middle of nowhere if you know how to navigate it um which now i do a little bit um so you know you can go anywhere from like if you just want to sit on a two-up and ride to this uh, another lodge and back on the trail, it's you totally style. can. You totally, yeah, that's totally can. Totally doable. You don't need to face any danger. But then, if you have the propensity to go freaking climb a mountain with your snowmobile, you can go do that. You can go high point things. You could go up like these couloirs. So it's like it's just a really really great spot to go. And we saw an avalanche not happen. We saw like an old avalanche. Mm-hmm. So that was another cool, like how I was talking about when you're out in the, this terrain, now you're constantly looking and we were like, whoa, there's a slide right there. Yeah. We, and I, I, we stopped and said like, okay, let's, let's try to think this through. How do we think this happened? A cornice. Yeah. So it was, it was up near Brooks Lake Lodge. 
Shout out to Brooks Lake Lodge. They are, that is like the most beautiful place, I think. Like beautiful lodge, beautiful, like it's insane. It's like, it's an outpost lodge north like 10 miles off of Togedy Pass. Way back in the middle of nowhere um, in this valley with this lake with you got like these enormous cliffs all around you circling around you. And it's like a five-star like lodge. It's so pretty. And we yeah, had lunch there. Gorgeous. We went there and had lunch and then we basically just turned around and went back. We had the dogs in the cabin, so we didn't want to be out mm-hmm. the entire day. But what I was saying about what I was, well, I, I Sorry. tangent it and went on tangent there. Um, north, north of Brooks Lake Lodge in this, in the, the Lake Valley there, there's a, a high meadow that like butts up against this wall of cliffs and the cliffs are like 500 foot tall cliffs but you can go up the base of them that, which is like a little bit of a gradient and you can high point things and you can play in the meadows and sometimes powdery back there. And we went back there and that's what it was. So this slide that seemed like it started right below the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. Probably from a cornice or some other snow falling on something and dislodging it and uh, triggering it. But yeah, then what, what kind of slide did we think it was? Oh crap. I can't remember. We have, what do we say? Like we're- um, I thought, like, I either soft slab or dry loose. Yeah. Because we said dry loose because of like how it fanned out at first, yeah. but then we went up to it and we um felt the snow grabbed yeah, one of the chunks and it was pretty slabby. compacted together, yeah. pretty slabby. Yeah. So that's why I had to say that. Yeah. So that was a good little learning experience for us too. Yeah. Uh out in the field. We snowmobiled back. Mm-hmm. And we saw some dog sleds. Oh yeah, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. so cool yeah and then we got our little dogs and we went for a little cross-country ski with them yeah and mr mav who's been a pretty naughty boy lately uh chase well he we just had a couple incidents with chasing animals but so he's been on a leash lately so he cross-country skied with a leash and a harness and a belt around our waist and he is a natural born athlete yeah, he definitely he super quickly took to the whole pulling idea. Like yeah. he 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 was like instinctually got it. Like he wasn't trying. I was like, oh, he's for sure gonna just zigzag across, and if we see another dog, he's gonna run me right off the path into a tree. I was like fully prepared for it to be a giant shit show, and it was not at all. It was amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. He did so good. I had taken him out like two three times before, just just um with my touring skis, so like not going fast at all. So I was a little bit nervous to put the skinny skis on and go skiing mm-hmm. with them but it was great talk through your setup like the brands with the harnesses and oh, the leashes i don't remember and stuff. exactly what the brand is but it's it's like a it's like the the harness you'd picture on uh like dog sled dogs like it goes yeah, all like, the way to like the back of the dog to like the part where you clip it's like, on it like the crisscrosses on his back yeah. it's not just like this one strap down the no, chest the one. part that you clip on is like back by his butt kind of because that's like a better form of pulling for a dog yeah the and weight, I, yeah, the weight is distributed like differently. Than what I found to work really good is a bungee. It's kind of a, a leash that has bungee to it because I skied with him one or two times without that, and it's it really hurts your back when he pulls or I pull or there's no give to it. Mm-hmm. So then I ordered a couple bungee ones off of Amazon, and then I um, have this little belt that I wear that it hooks up to, mm-hmm. and it worked out so good. And then we put it on Tyler so he could keep up with me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was pretty slick. <laughs> yeah. 
It's perfect. Because you raced, you cross-country ski raced in high school, and, like, I've done it three times. I mean, it's been, like, many, many years. But you kind of, like, but I like, mean, it's like, like riding a bike, kind of. You know, like, I'm not fast, but I know how to do it. But you're so much, you're so much faster than me, is the point. Yeah. I've done yeah. it three times. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to equalize so I could keep up with her with Matt pulling me. And then it worked really well because the next day we toured up a little slope that was right at Turpin mm -hmm. and Tyler needed to split ski out because mm -hmm. it got pretty flat and Mav pulled him out. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was perfect. I should get him to do that on like other routes that mm -hmm. I do. I don't really love split skiing out that much no, if I don't have perfect. to. And it tires him out. Mm -hmm. And we found that Bridger sucks at it. He's he was not that bad. He's just slow. No, it was cute. He was just like trotting so, so slow. It yeah. It was like he wasn't pulling at all, which is funny. But that's his Malamute. No, Malamutes were made to. It's cool to see the like instincts that dogs have because I, yeah. I was just like so pissed at myself for not doing that with him sooner. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's so dumb that I didn't because now I just want to do it all the time with him. Yeah. And you know something cool too? So for s some way, somehow he is able to differentiate the harness versus a regular leash. Like mm -hmm. when I did glory the other day, I had to walk him from the over overflow lot up to the start uh -huh. of glory and I had him on a leash and he just walked like super chill he at my heel, like wasn't pulling at all. So cool. And so like he somehow gets like, okay, like p collar on the, my, my neck is no pull <laughs> Co collar on my Come harness. On, my body is pull. <laughs> harness is pull. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cute. It was super fun. And then, our last day was a really just relaxing day. We skied a couple times that day. We, excuse me. Oh my goodness. We have to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Getting tired. Um, and we just relax. Oh, I just remember when we sat on the porch outside with our cocktails. It mm -hmm. was so nice. Just sitting there. It's completely silent. I mean, we had heard like the music from the lodge and that was it. It was gorgeous out. It was. You can see the, the grand. temperature was great. You could see the grand, and we were just like, "This is awesome!" And we're doing this every year from now on. Yeah. Um. What's your name? Your number one favorite thing about the whole trip to Turpin? I, I just really liked being like, both of us away from work and any possibility of working because you only had Wi-Fi in your cabin, mm -hmm. and just spending time. Like, I know we spend time in nature all the time, but we're also like, got to run home because we got to do this or somebody has this meeting or I have to go and do an IV, that kind of thing. And we were just completely away from that and could only relax and do the things we wanted to do. Yeah, that was the whole, that was my whole goal is to yeah. like actually disconnect. Like I brought my computers before like, for like editing, editing content. Um, and then I had one call, like literally the mo like at the time we were supposed to check out, which I got to just do in the in the cabin. But it was like totally disconnect. I told Al like, unless the company's burning down, don't talk to me about that. Like yeah. we text about other things, and I Facetimed yeah. him to show it to him, and and we made it, we made a TikTok for Stillworks, but like but that's like, not really you working. You and I are always everyone's always like, oh, you guys live the life, and we do, we love it, mm -hmm. but we're not doing like we're working hard all the yeah. time and i know it looks like we're all only out skiing and i only work three days a week and that kind of thing but no you work like six days a week constantly like running from one thing to the next mm -hmm. with like work somebody has a call so like that kind of thing so it's like we never truly like stop all of that and and just go ski for a day 
so we had got three nights of that and it was amazing mm-hmm. yeah that was my, my favorite part too is disconnecting yeah. so we will for sure be back and doing it again this summer which we should probably book fairly soon because i bet you it goes quick <laughs> we're gonna book so we we already booked a second trip this winter there before even getting there for the first trip <laughs> And now we're going to book a third trip before getting there for the second one. Exactly. We got to be on top of that stuff now. With COVID, it's very hard to get reservations and stuff places. Yeah. So that was amazing. We have nothing but super great things to say about that place. The food, stellar. Mm-hmm. Drinks, so good. Mm-hmm. We had a blast. Yes, we did. Yeah. Anything okay. else you want to chat about? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Oh, We're good. at an hour and four minutes. That's about Perfect. where we should be. Um, any, any final thoughts for the listeners? Final thoughts about avalanches, backcountry travel, um, backcountry ranches. Okay. About backcountry tr- travel. I feel like we summed that up pretty good. But the one thing I, I just thought of in my head was like, remember when you ride the tram and in the back, and when you get to the top they're like and if you don't know don't don't go they usually say send it but (laughs) but if you don't know don't go has a whole new meaning to me now yeah it's very i really feel that way (laughs) yeah i was like a joke and now i'm like no truly don't (laughs) the response you sometimes hear out of my mouth is send it if you don't know send it bro people don't like don't when do i that. say that don't yeah i don't like yeah, that don't do that now um, i won't say that anymore because now i'm respo- i'm responsible, responsible avalanche one certified yes, person exactly um okay i'm gonna put you on the spot here oh gosh oh gosh oh gosh today when i went to the gym i saw some tracks on the pyramid would you i, w- I would like to cordially invite you to do the pyramid with me would you like to do the pyramid with me i think i i would not because we tried that last year and it did not go well for us. Because we didn't go on the right route. We we were nowhere near the actual route. We'll see. Okay. Way to uh, leave us on a cliffhanger. I'll let you guys know when I'm back in three, four, five, six months. You'll find out if we did the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll just see it on Instagram. <laughs> okay, okay. That should be it for tonight. Good night, um, Episode 50 in the books. Cheers. So 50 episodes Plank it right in front of the microphone there we go 50 episodes down we've had business owners we have had real estate agents we've had um nutritionists we've had friends on here we've had siblings siblings on here we're running out of we've people had nhl hockey players on here we've had mr hockey on here what what did, would you like to what hear was next? The next yeah what does the next 50 episodes look like who do we get on here I personally, I think we get Maverick. I'd like to do Maverick. Maverick really wants to. Oh, sorry. That's just saying. Shoot, you guys, pretend you never heard that. Um, Secrets out. I would like to get like some some pro skiers and snowboarders. I would really love to. I think you should get some nurses on the pod. Some nurses. Yeah. Why nurses? Because 2020 was the year of the nurse. Uh I got some really good friends who are very interesting, and would probably like to talk on the pod. We'll see if they want to do it. Okay, I'll call them up. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'd like to get some more skiers and snowboarders, like pros or you know small time pros, something like that, just to like talk talk shop about that kind of stuff. Yeah. In the winter episodes. Yeah. Maybe some. I mean, yeah, c- 
comment on the social post, like message me, whatever. Tell me what kind of guests you'd like to see within reason. Um, I have messaged Travis Rice and Jimmy Chin just to throw out a bone to see if they would ever do it. Obviously, they didn't respond. Um, but so don't tell me to invite them because I already tried. Um, so yeah, send me, tell me who you think would be good. Any, and even connect me if you can. Like we're always looking for guests. I always love to have a good conversation with new people. Love meeting new people. And I feel like, I was thinking about this today. You know, I meet, we meet new people all the time, but they're like, it's just whatever. Like they're just, you know, acquaintances. Mm-hmm. But if I meet someone new and then they come on the podcast, they're like, they're like in this like circle of trust a little bit, you know? Because when you just, meet someone in any other situation, you're not having a conversation like you would on the podcast. And yeah. so that's super cool. I feel like you get to know them on a different level. Yeah. Like you sit down, if we sit down for an hour to mm-hmm. two hours and just talk at each other and look at each other in the mm-hmm. face and like learn about each other. Like Eden, we, Eden and I messaged like three messages before she came over. It was like, Hey, you want to do the podcast? Sure. Yeah. When? It was like this day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was then, and we did it. And so like, it was totally fresh. And now I consider Eden in this circle of trust now because. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like why I wanted to do it. If Mm -hmm. I'm, if I could tell my secret of 50 episodes here, um, like there's all these people that I would find interesting to have a conversation with, but I couldn't just say, Hey, Eden, do you want to like get coffee? You so I come just, over and can talk? I just talk to you for an hour? Like that'd be weird. But apparently masking it in a podcast and putting it out to the world, you know, cause there's microphones and headphones makes it okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But like, I mean, that's like, I just like learning about people's perspective on life. Like for sure. she came from freaking like, georgia and is a nutritionist and you know like i learned more about Chaz and trav like i learned so much more about just our friends yeah. because none of the conversations i would jeff's have with them episode jeff's one of the episode og was so episodes go back and listen to episode three yes, jeff moberg after this we should do you know what you should do for episode 51 jeff needs to come back jeff you're coming back yeah, on jeff the pod also back. you haven't hung out with us in a while so mm-hmm. or and, you're, you've and he been never summoned. answers my calls he will he'll he'll never answer my call nope. but he'll text back yeah you fucker. <laughs> we miss you, Jeff. Um, yeah, episode three, Jeff Moberg. Check his out. That's one of the favorites. I should like put, I should put like clips, like do an episode that's like an hour long episode, but it's just clips from other episodes mm-hmm. as like 51, maybe like maybe episode 100 or something. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Super cool. Like the most popular like segments. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're signing off. Okay. Good night. Good night, everyone. Have a good week.